Welcome to the Self Love Recovery Podcast. I'm your host, Ross Rosenberg. You might know me from my Human Magnet Syndrome book or my Codependency Cure and the Healing the Inner Trauma Child Treatment Program. If you identify as being codependent or what I call self-love deficient, or you consider yourself an empath or a survivor of narcissistic abuse, or if you just have been held back by your life, by your circumstances, or more sadly, a person, say a pathological narcissist, this is the place to be. I will bring my personal and professional experience to help you overcome the biggest and for some the most tragic obstacles. I am committing to giving you the very best information I know that I believe will resonate with both your experience as well as your future dreams. So sit back, enjoy, and let's make this world a better place, one self-love abundant person at a time. HITCH stands for the Healing the Inner Trauma Child Method. And it's, you know, I love names. <laughs> I remember when uh, I wrote my book, you know, the name I had was uh, Codependence and Narcissist, et cetera, et cetera. And I came up with the Human Magnet Syndrome. Because uh, a name, if it strikes um, a resonant chord, it sticks with people. HITCH is the name that describes the psychological mental health treatment that gets to the trauma that is dissociated, that is unconscious, that is repressed. There's three different words for the same thing that a person cannot get to by just talking about it or trying to remember it. It's the trauma that is PTSD-esque of a whole period of, of a person's life that's inaccessible. So if the trauma is responsible for SLDD and that trauma is dissociated, it's unconscious, it's repressed. And the big challenge I'm having is most therapists don't understand what codependency or SLDD is, which is why I created my pyramid. And then once they do understand it, they don't know how to get to the trauma. And the best they can do is have a person talk about it. Hitch, according to the Hitch method, is they can't resolve it through talking because the memories are removed. No differently from someone like someone who has PTSD who had a buddy die in a war or a car accident, the brain moves it offline. I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, when I didn't know anything and I came out of grad school, like a lot of therapists, I accidentally triggered someone to, to talk about their abuse and I didn't know what I was doing. And it took me 15 or 20 years to actually have an explanation for it. And, and what I learned one step at a time is that trauma, uh, Attachment trauma, the trauma experienced throughout a part of your lifetime at the hands of the narcissist and codependent parent is disassociated, but it's frozen affectively. The emotional experiences are frozen like an HD, what I call an HD 3D movie video. The experiences have exquisite detail in a part of the brain that can't consciously remember or tell the story. And so the reason I call it the inner trauma child, healing the inner trauma child, is when I am talking, when I am with my client and I connect to what I call affective memories, which are those memories frozen in time that are laden with emotions and crystal, crystal clear recollection, I'm actually talking to the child. And when I connect in that way to my client, it's not a metaphor, it's not an analogy. 
I am actually bringing someone back to the time when they were a child and they start to tell me what they experienced in a way that is safer so that we can integrate it when uh, they are healthy enough so that it no longer has to be put away because when it is put away, it comes out backwards. And think of PTSD. Because you don't remember being in the war and, and, and being around death and destruction, it comes out in every way. And that's why SLDs keep recreating their attachment trauma in the partners they choose, is because that little child inside of them knows no different. So these unconscious memories, these affective memories, there, there's, there's two forms of the hitch memories. There's the affective memories, which are the ones that are frozen in time that we can't remember. And then we have the body memories, which are the medical, physical representation of the memories. So th these represent we get sick, we have anxiety, we have headaches, we have back problems, we have fibromyalgia. Just because we can't remember it, it's in the back of our mind all the time. We are inundated with the results of these memories that um, our brain won't let us remember. And so when someone gets triggered or activated, I'll use myself for example. <laughs> I, back before, you know, um, I really got, made some great progress in my own psychotherapy, I would get triggered or activated all the time when someone would judge me and be passive aggressive and lie. I mean, that was my experience in my family. And I would have an over the top reaction. And someone would ask me, why are you so mad? Consciously, all I could tell them is, well, that person's not being nice or lying or manipulating. But unconsciously, that part inside of me that uh, where I've been traumatized as a child, it's the same event, yep. the same environment that I experienced that is creating an internal explosion of hormones and chemicals and memories that I can't associate with what I don't remember, but can't project it onto what's happening. So I'll lose it. So a lot of times when we lose it, and um, we might not know what's really underneath it, um, but that's my best explanation. And that is the, the meat and potatoes of the human magnet syndrome compelled relationship. You are brought together by unconscious forces of memories of what you believe is love. You only knew love when you were a child, that hurt trauma child, when she or he could make another person happy and feel safe. And that was, if that's the experience of love and safety, paradoxically, and, and you should meet someone, let's say, you know, online dating, and, that's, and now there's a narcissist who, nice, sweet, sexy, and attractive, um, you can relate to, it's familiar. Yeah. Um, you're not remembering the bad stuff because that, that part has been pushed down, which is why I created my hitch method, healing the inner trauma child method, because as I said before, most therapists dealing with codependency, they don't know what codependency is. And, and I hope that my book, The Human Magnet Syndrome, straighten that out. And my latest work in the codependency cure work now explains that this self-love deficit disorder cannot be cured, cannot be solved, cannot be neutralized if you don't get to the core. And the core is the dissociated unconscious trauma that they keep perpetrating on themselves while feeling like a victim. And the therapist not only needs to know what it is, where it is, why you can't get to it, but a technique that could actually connect to it and help a person experience it. Because the brain, um, evolu I, I say it in my training, that 
evolution has a fatal, had a fatal flaw. It worked really well by figuring out a way to save us from psychological pain that, that could destroy us. But it didn't figure out a way to bring it back forward and integrate it when we were healthy enough. The right. Hitch method helps a person integrate it when they're healthy enough so that they no longer have to suffer the unconscious reactions from it. The Hitch method requires a psychotherapist. It's like if you had, like, you know, like I did, you know, I had a spinal fusion. Um, you, won't, you don't go to a chiropractor to get a spinal fusion. Um, I mean, you go to a chiropractor if your back is hurting, but if you need something that is, needs precision work by an expert that has all the training and background to make sure you're safe, um, we're dealing with what could be very dangerous stuff if you don't know what you're doing. And so it absolutely is required to be done by a trauma-trained and experienced therapist. Now, I believe that my explanations and, for example, that six-hour seminar on the Hitch, it's my, it's my best-selling video that we sell on Self-Love Recovery Institute. What it does is it gives the sufferers of self-love deficit disorder, the ones who have finally an explanation for why they have this problem and, and the therapy that they've been getting has not been effective, what they do is they understand it. And the very best thing we can do for ourselves is to know what we have, to know about the problem, and so we can find someone who can help us. And when we know what the person is doing and we are more invested in it, so it absolutely is helpful to know about this. And there's all this information that will help. But to access the unconscious disassociated uh, material is kind of like doing surgery on yourself. When you are dealing with things that have been repressed or dissociated because the brain cannot manage it, what is happening is the brain made a decision that the recollection of, the, of, of this material will be too much for it to handle. So it creates a wall. And if you bring that material forward before you are healthy enough to manage it, you'll fall apart. Um, literally, depression, anxiety, panic attack. So if your body, um, if there's a bacteria or a virus and you're, and you're healthy and your body has enough resources to deal with it, so you get sick and you get better. So trauma to most people, the body handles it like the virus or the bacteria. Mm -hmm. it, hurt, it hurts, it's harmful, but we have resources to get rid of it. This type of trauma, you don't have enough resources. So if you release that and you don't have the psychological resources to handle it, it's dangerous, which is why I recommend that psychotherapists who specialize in trauma um, um, study this stuff because it could help so many people but they have to know what they're doing. The process works by just understanding first, more than anything, the information. Half of my self-love recovery treatment program is teaching people about who they are, why they are, how come they are, where did it come from? The more you understand, the less mysterious this is. That is why people love the term self-love deficit disorder, because it gives them the solid understanding of the problem and not some name that makes no sense. Then as you teach them why this problem has been in your life and why it continues, you start going into the deeper aspects of what to do to stop it. So the trauma work is at stage seven. So uh, we have these stages one through 10. And the reason it's at stage seven 
is you have to be in a solid place, a healthy place, because the goal is to make a person stable and healthy so that they have the psychological resources to manage the pain of remembering, the trauma remembering. So, so information, dealing with the addiction, preparing to understand and relate to and set boundaries with the narcissist, setting boundaries with the narcissist, surviving those boundaries, building yourself up, connecting to self-love when you start to transition away from self-love deficit disorder. And then after all those sequential steps, we get to the point where the person is healthy enough and has enough confidence and security and positive momentum created that we can go into these memories. Because when they start remembering something that has been shut down, it's going to cause eruptions. And you think of like San Francisco or Tokyo, these buildings now are built to withstand them. And so all those seven stages have their own purpose, but they get the person ready so that they can connect to what, what they thought they could never remember and be strong enough to not only remember it, but to deal with it and, and to move it forward. Nothing is coincidence. Everything is explained. Um, almost to like a 99% accuracy. If you are in a family and you have a parents who are narcissists and, and one is a codependent, there's going to be attachment trauma for everyone. And depending on the child and all the factors that are around this, how the child deals and survives with it is going to determine the outcome of their personality type as an adult. And if a child learned that they are safe by molding themselves, that, and this is the inner trauma child, they learn that they are, the, they are the, the narcissist's prized possession, that they are adored when they can be pretty and beautiful and intelligent, and, and, or they can be, uh, make the narcissist feel good about themselves, or they cannot cause trouble. If that child can figure out a way to hide her emotions, his emotions, so that he can be an asset to a narcissist, he will be loved, and he will learn that the world's not safe unless you can mold yourself into the type of person the narcissist most needs. In essence, that's attachment trauma that creates codependency. If there is a narcissist and a codependent, and there is consistency between that dysfunction, there's only two ways to go with the narcissist is to be their good object, the loving object for which the narcissist can feel good about himself. And then you grow up with conditional love. You can't ever make the narcissist happy. You chronically trigger the narcissist. You are the subject of narcissistic injuries. You're a dartboard. You are the problem child, the bad seed. And in those cases, the child gets no con unconditional love. There's an absence of anything positive. The child that I work with through the Hitch Method, it learned that if it could become invisible, it will be loved. So there's something there that was to make him or her feel good about something. The child who doesn't get nothing gets broken irrevocably, and that is the basis for a personality disorder. The adult manifestation of that attachment trauma is to be so broken that you can never remember it and to only be able to care about yourself because the world was a broken, dangerous place. We um, humans require attachment in order to form our healthy psychological self to become healthy adults. The attachment with it 
we get to grow and develop. Without it, the elements of our personality that are required for adulthood don't get formed and psychopathology gets formed. If no one loves you and you don't get any positive regard or, or positive or conditional love and everything that you do causes some kind of pain, your childhood becomes this barren, cold wasteland and it is the fertile land within which the personality disorder is born. That's why narcissists, people with borderline personality disorder or people with antisocial personality disorder, they don't remember about their childhood. They don't talk about it. And if they do, they make up stories about it because they can't even recall it because it's blocked. So if you are brought up in a family and you have a terrible narcissistic parent and then you have a codependent parent who spends all their time trying to take care of the narcissist and, and neglects the child, which is about 50% of the SLDs or codependents I work with, that child's going to have a more serious presentation or case of self-love deficit disorder. But if you had a parent who, when the narcissist wasn't around, was loving and caring um, and still was in the relationship with the narcissist, the damage is so much mitigated. But let me say something that I believe is really important that might upset or disappoint a lot of people. The positive impact of the loving codependent is not nearly as helpful as you think because the parent wants to believe it was helpful as as a child and they get locked into this over-exaggerated or glorified version of mommy was or daddy was a good one and the narcissist other parent was a bad one. But in reality, the child endured situations where the mother could not, or the father, the, the SLD, did not protect him or her. Right. And once I'm in therapy with my clients and I can get them to not protect the SLD parent, um, because they're SLDs also. And so they will say, well, she did her best and that, and I can get them to see without judgment that what would have happened if the codependent parent, we'll call her mommy, actually did divorce dad, did stand up, did protect you. And they're able to see how much would have been changed. And it's through that process. It's not to make them not like or appreciate their parent, but they will understand their own SLED. It breaks through their own defenses and their own denial. That if they could understand the harm that the more loving parent had, then they can see the harm that they're having on their own children. Because it's only in this type of psychotherapy, especially when I do the hitch method, and I'm talking to the little child, and she is remembering, and she's talking about all the times that she had to be behaved to protect mommy or daddy, the, the, the SLD or codependent. And there's so many more elements that are to be talked about and to be understood. So yes, the SLD parent who is loving to the child mitigates the, the, the level of harm that's going to manifest in the adulthood. But it usually is not nearly as much as people think because they want to cover for it because that's how they can stay in denial for themselves. Self-love deficit disorder, codependency, is a very, very sad condition. You, if For you listeners, you were a victim of very unfortunate and sad, sad circumstances. You didn't deserve it. And you grew up believing that love is to sacrifice, to mold yourself into something else, to be invisible. And to heal it takes a lot more than just knowing what it 
you are and what you can become, but it's to build the courage and the conviction that for you to finally get your birthright of self-love abundance, which is the codependency cure, you have to be healthy enough and strong enough to deal with the skeletons in your closet. And you can't do that when you're mired in shame and fear hiding in your closet. You have to step out into the light and you have to face what happened to you and talk about it. And that little child that you were heals. So you can do this. You can reach the core of your problem. That little inner trauma child, it's possible. It's not some high fluting idea. You just have to believe that you deserve it and be strong enough to move forward into building your foundation from which you can get everything you deserve and more. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. Building a self-love recovery community means the world to me. Spread the word. Let people know what we're talking about. And until we meet next, I'd like to leave you my favorite of all sayings by George Eliot. It's never too late to be what you might have been. Don't forget that. Our future is in our hands, despite what anyone has told you before. You can be the self-love abundant person you've always dreamt of. It's your birthright.